You got it timed perfectly. I was running ad like an emergency too. <laughs> so you want the you want a chair? We didn't finish it. Oh. Or, no, excuse me, not 19. 39. Oh, okay. <laughs> Had the wrong digit. 39. Yeah, now we finished most of the chapter. But um, we're still working on the reasons that Arjuna doesn't want to fight. Who can remember one of the reasons? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Compassion. Compassion. Raise your hand. Fear of sinful reactions. Fear of sinful reactions. Yes, Michelle. Um, degradation of the society. Yeah. Uh, how was before we don't put that? Um, destruction of family. Yeah, that's it's a family mm-hmm. thing. But then that includes the whole society. Huh? Yeah. Oh, it's regarding uh, Vedic injunctions. Uh, compassion. No, that wasn't actually a reason. Somewhere. No. The reasons, again, are, are Bori John lists on his comments to uh, text 27, just before Arjuna gives his reasons, starts with his reasons, and Bori John just lists them so we can be aware of them. Yeah, compassion. We didn't mention enjoyment. He, he was calculating that we're not, this is going to be no fun. We're going to kill our friends and family. Who are we going to enjoy with? And indecision. Yeah, and then the last one we haven't done yet. That's coming up in the beginning of the second chapter. So we're still working on first chapter, text 39. We're going to go around and just, um, we'll take turns, you know, if it's your turn, then just read the, the ver- and we're doing it from John's book, and we're using Prabhupada's Gita as a reference. So... And because Borijan in his purports, he very often quotes uh, essential points from Prabhupada's purports. So we're not going to be the losers. So why don't we start from Elijah's side this time? And Elijah will speak. Verse 27. 39. 39. 
Now Dale's there. Okay. I thought I heard Dale. Is that Dale? Maybe not. Could you look outside, Elijah, and see. Look outside and see who's there. I thought I heard Dale's voice. Jerome and Sedomini just left that apartment. Yeah. Is it Dale's? Huh? Well, if, if nobody's there, we can have more air and light. That's fine. You can turn the fan on, it'll circulate that nice cool around. But it's got to be low. The door's open, turn the AC off. Yeah, turn the AC off. We don't need the AC. As long as we have the... It's a, it's just a, told me to turn it on. Yeah, yeah, I know. So you got to be able to adjust to the <laughs> ongoing... You have to use a switch on the It's cool today. I, I can actually water the plants after the offering, which is rare. High non watering. High non watering. That's right. Mantra watering. It's going to be cooler tomorrow morning, too, before it gets stormy. Yeah. Okay, so we're still working on family, dynasty, society, that kind of thing. So um, Elijah's going to read 39 in Borijan's. Mm -hmm. In this book? Yeah. Okay. I'm just looking at there. Okay. It's Prabhupada's translation, and Borijan's going to just sum up. And you can read the Borijan's comments too. Thirty-nine. Thus far, I have described this knowledge to no, you. No, no, that's chapter two. Chapter, chapter oh, right. one. I see. Page seven. Or I got it. <coughs> so you're all on the same page except for me and Donna Kaylee. Sixteen. Sixteen. With the destruction of dynasty, the eternal family tradition is vanquished. And thus, the rest of the family becomes involved in irreligion. Arjuna fears that if he were to engage in the irreligious killing of his grandfather and guru, the women of the family would think, Our men have become irreligious. Let us also act irreligiously. <laughs> this is human nature. We tend to imitate what the leaders are doing, for better or for worse. So, uh, yeah, if they're... Playing around, we'll play around too. That's kind of like because we're conditioned souls, we have a desire to enjoy. We can either enjoy in a good way, by enjoy serving Krishna, that's the highest, or we can enjoy in the mode of goodness, which is trying to be very altruistic, etc., but still kind of just earth centered, um, or try to enjoy passionately or ignorantly. You know, we, we are creatures of, uh, we're influenced by. Leader, leading personalities. No comment about today's leaders? <laughs> okay. Any questions on that? It's pretty. pretty monkey careful. see, monkey do. Hmm? Yeah. So Anna's going to do text 40. When irreligion is prominent in the family, O Krishna, the women of the family become polluted, and from the degradation of womanhood, O descendant of Vishnu, comes unwanted progeny. Krishna called Arjuna Parta to remind him of his Kshatriya heritage. In this verse, Arjuna calls Krishna Varshneya, descendant of Vishnu, because he wants Krishna to think how he would feel if the Vishnu dynasty were on the verge of destruction. Yeah, so that's very significant. We're, we're just about to destroy the, uh, the Vishnis and the Yadus. So, what's that all about? How would you feel? Varshneya? Yeah, what is the Sanskrit? Svishu Dushtasu Varshneya of the Sandhya of Vishnu. So do you really want to do this? Again, it's, 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 
the person in illusion preaching to God, God thou shalt not kill. So elevated is the Gita that even the, the person who needs enlightening, he's, he's still in goodness. He just needs to come to a higher platform than earthly goodness. <clears throat> so, yeah, so just as Krishna called Arjuna Parta, reminding him of his great who? Who's, what does it mean, Parta? Prita, that's right, not Pritu, but Prita. That's, that's uh, Kunti. Kunti, yeah, that's right, yeah. So he's reminding uh, Arjuna, look, you're the son of Kunti. She's a great saint. So don't, uh, don't let me down here. And Kunti is uh, Krishna's, I always get this wrong, cousin? Aunt. Oh, that's right. Uh, aunt, aunt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, text 41, Lavanga. An increase of unwanted population certainly causes hellish life for the family and for those who destroy the family tradition. The ancestors of such corrupt families fall down because the performances for offering them food and water are certainly stopped. He says certainly there? Mm -hmm. Well, here it says entirely. Okay. It says entirely. Okay. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> uh, Rory Jones. No, it says entirely. Oh my God. Okay. Uh oh. You're losing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That happens sometimes. I see words that are not there. <laughs> Past life. Okay. Um, oh, okay. We can further support Arjuna's argument by saying even Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu traveled to Gaya to offer the Sharma ceremony for his departed father. Are such sacrifices unimportant? Ancestors submit on these ceremonies to obtain freedom from suffering. <laughs> its offerings to the poor fathers are stopped. Generations of family members will remain in hell. Again, Arjuna was primarily considering his own sinful reaction by becoming a party to stopping, to stopping his offerings. And now Borijan points to the, what Prabhupada points out in, the, in his purport. In this purport, Srila Prabhupada answers Arjuna's doubt. Saratmanaya sharanam sharanyam gato mukundam paridhrittakartam Anyone who is seeking shelter of the lady's feet of Mukunda, the giver of liberation, giving up all kinds of obligation, and has taken to the path in all seriousness, owes neither duties nor obligations to the demigods, sages, Sages generally entities, family members, humankind, or forefathers. Such obligations are automatically fulfilled by the performance of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Now that could be interpreted as. Anybody have any questions? I guess I'm about that. Is, that, is everybody okay with that? I had a question about that. Yes. I was going to say it, but since you asked. Um, so, I just don't understand, it says, I mean, like, it says, even offering, like, you have no duties even to the, the sages, or the general, like, isn't, isn't it, like, are we supposed to serve the sages, serve the, the great devotees? 
I mean, I don't yeah. think those would make sense, but the sages one. Okay, so you have to distinguish between service on the mundane platform and service connected to Krishna. So yeah, when we're serving, see, devotional service is not some isolated thing. It includes everything. Just like the example is in the Bhagavatam, right? Uh, another verse in this section. It's um, when we feed the stomach, we feed all the limbs, because it's, it's the stomach's the root of distribution of the energy. So Krishna being the source of all, everybody and everything, if we're actually serving him under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master, we're actually fulfilling all our obligations to all others, because what's the, who's the root of existence, what's the purpose of life? See, in a society like ours, where everything's very often disconnected from God, it's karma, it's not yoga, it's hard for people to make those connections. How, what are you, you're just chanting you guys and you're here with your birds and your food and but what about the world what about black lives matter and what about the environment and what about you know well what about those things that are going to be going on forever so what Krishna consciousness is about is about actually coming to the root of all the problems the root of our problems are forgetfulness of God and therefore forgetfulness of who we are and what the purpose of life is, and therefore we have so many problems. Racism, sexism, speciesism, polluting the environment, you know, every, just so many anomalies follow from that original forgetfulness of Krishna. So, uh, when we take to Krishna consciousness, we, we do reach out in all those spheres, but we connect it all to Krishna. That's the... That's the art. <laughs> and we haven't done that enough yet, so but we're, we're developing. Um, now what about something else? With, okay. Yeah, sometimes you see people come to our temple, or they come to that pavilion with kirtan, and they do pinda, they do shraddha, for the departed ancestors. But in the Bhagavatam it says, if you become a devotee of Krishna, you surrender to Krishna, automatically so many generations past and future are liberated <laughs> just by you appearing in that line. You're the, effect, the ripple effect, if you will, of, of your devotional service is so powerful. It affects so many generations, past and future. That's what Lord Srinidhi told Prahlad. Prahlad said, I don't want anything for myself, but just could you please liberate my father? And so Lord Nishinga says, but you've already liberated just by being a great devotee. Fourteen generations, past and future. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, now that could be taken. What I was going to say was that could just, it's, it could be, it could be uh, chanted in a flip way. Oh, I don't have to, I have no obligations anymore to anybody else, and therefore I don't care about anybody just serving Krishna. But that is spiritual bypassing. That's when you actually, we don't actually do Krishna consciousness in a way that actually does benefit everybody. So um, that's why I think we're so fortunate here because it's such a brilliant fusion of, of uh, spirituality and, and feeding, you know, restaurant. We're, like Michelle, she didn't know this was a temple. She's just coming for 12 years? 12 years before she, you know, something ignited. Or she just walked through that door one day? Is that what happened? Someone invited me to a kirtan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that before, too. 
I just heard Michelle heard it from a lot of people. Oh yeah, so you guys are wow. What is this? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Sean. He was painting this, and he was like, ten years ago, I was at the temple. You know, Sean Toth. Ten years what? ago, you know Sean, painter yeah, Sean. Right. You know he talks. And he was like, ten years ago, I was at the temple, and you know, I was eating. Came, came to the restaurant, and Mother Sandami walked by, and I go, "Ma'am, what is it you're putting in this food?" <laughs> and like she told him, she told him about Krishna Prashadam, and that's why oh. he, that's when he started coming around. Oh. She gave him the whole scoop mm-hmm. on Prasadam. She must have sensed that he was a seeker yeah. or something. Well, yeah. yeah. That's where it starts. Something different about this food. <laughs> and that was Prabhupada, Prabhupada, Prabhupada's strategy was Prasadam and Kirtan. That's how we're going to get people interested. And then through that purified hearing and tasting, then they're going to want to know more. Yes. I just had a question on this verse before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 14 generations that get liberated, like, is it 14 generations um, forward or back in this life and previous yeah, lives? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I always ask that too. Or I always wonder that. Um, yeah, is it in this birth? Right, is it in this birth, your ancestors? Is John Wilkes Booth going to be liberated? Because. I'm coming from that presidential assassin. Is he going to be liberated? <laughs> or does it mean uh, something else from some other birth? Or I mean, what else could it be, though? I think it has to be that. If it's this pres- it's in this life, if I'm giving my life to Krishna, what else could it be? I guess every life that you're in a movie. Oh, every life you... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, if I come back and I'm, I'm not... Mature yeah. yet? Is it going to be from that karmic line? Because <laughs> I heard it was like a certain number if you're not like a pure devotee, and then it's more generations if you're on the highest path. That kind of makes sense, but we have to get some more shastra con- confirmation. Just like the more, the bigger the rock you drop in the pond, the more ripple effect, and the more ripples, <laughs> the more the bigger splash, right? There's that verse about the liberation by way of the moon, which is like seems to me more of a generation, like the those who get liberated by way of the sun pass away. They pass away by way of the sun or Oh, that's the eighth chapter. Yeah. That's just Krishna talking about the different ways we can leave this world. Um, and the yogis are very conscious of that because they wanna because they're playing the material energy. This is not there's mystic yogis. You wanna look at that? It's 823 to 27. Yeah, actually, this relates well. Thank you for that. It's attaining the Supreme. Um, yeah, start with 23. No, just, just read the verses. It's all in the verses, really. Oh, best of the part is, I shall now explain to you the different times at which passing away from this world the yogi does or does not come back. Okay, before you go further, see how Krishna is reaching out now to the yogis. He's reaching out to karmis, kyanis, and yogis, fruit of workers, uh, thinkers, and mystics. So the next 24 translation. Those who know the Supreme Brahman attain the Supreme by passing away from the world during the influence of the fiery god in the light at an auspicious moment of the day 
during the fortnight of the waxing moon, or during the six months when the sun travels in the north. This is considered to be a, a more conducive, auspicious way to pass. That's why Bhishma, he was waiting. He was on a bed of arrows. He was waiting for the Pandavas to return, but it was like 40 or 50 days he lay on that bed of arrows. Can you, I can't even imagine it. Because he didn't have to leave this world until he wanted to. And when, while he was waiting, the sun came to pass into the north. Because the Kurukshetra War happened right around early December. Late November it started. No, it was, it was in December actually. And then after the, the solstice passed, then the sun starts traveling in the north again. So he was waiting for that because he was in the northern hemisphere. Okay, so that's auspicious. Now, by contrast, chapter 25. The mystic who passes away from this world during the smoke, the night, the fortnight of the waning moon, or the six months when the sun passes to the south, reaches the moon planet, but again comes back. Okay, so it's not as good, it's not as favorable conditions for going all the way to the eternal atmosphere. It's, uh, yeah, it reaches the moon, but... What good is going to the moon? You've got to come back. Even though the moon's a heavenly planet, but then it's just like being at the top of the Ferris wheel. Then the wheel goes down, and then you find yourself down again. So 26 and 20... Okay, 26. According to Vedic opinion, there are two ways of passing from this world, one in light and one in darkness. When one passes in the light, he does not come back, but when one passes in darkness, he returns. Yeah. Now, here's the, here's the punchline. Go ahead. Although the devotees know these two paths, O Arjuna, they are never bewildered, therefore be always fixed in devotion. And in the purport, Prabhupada talks about a devotee, it doesn't matter if he... Uh, well, let's just read it. It's short. Um, yeah, let's look. All right. Want to read the purport? Krishna is here advising Arjuna that he should not be disturbed by the different paths the soul can take when leaving the material world. A devotee of the Supreme Lord should not worry whether he will depart by arrangement or by accident. Okay, interesting phrase. By arrangement or by accident. I mean, there's no accidents. <laughs> there's no such thing as really an accident. It's really all by arrangement. But it could appear to be an accident. Like I've known devotees who have left their bodies. Boom! In a, in a horrendous accident, but somehow it was Krishna's arrangement. Go ahead. They should not be worried that it's... Uh, they shouldn't be worried about an accident because people that think there are accidents are worried. <laughs> Epigram from Elijah. Go ahead. The devotee should be firmly established in Krishna consciousness and chant Hare Krishna. He should know that concern over either of these two paths is troublesome. The best way to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness is to be always dovetailed in his service. And this will make one's path to the spiritual kingdom safe, certain, and direct. The word yoga yukta is especially significant in this verse. One who is firm in yoga is constantly engaged in Krishna consciousness in all his activities. Sri Rupa Goswami advises, one should be unattached in material affairs and do everything in Krishna consciousness. By this system, which is called Yukta Vairagya, one attains perfection. Therefore, the devotees 
The devotee is not disturbed by these descriptions because he knows that his passage to the supreme abode is guaranteed by devotional service. Yeah, so we don't really have to be concerned about these conditions because the world is a uh, dangerous, unpredictable place, but so, therefore, yeah, be, so the verse says, therefore be always fixed in devotion. So even if circumstantially, say I get blindsided by something, and I've known people, I think I gave, told a story about a kid, a devotee boy on a bike. He was on a camping trip, and part of the biking was on a highway. And uh, they were going around a, a curve, and so the boy was the, like the caboose. He was the last person in the pack. And, all, and he, so a truck came around the curve and just took him out. Boom! Just hit him. I mean, just... He, he, instantly, he must have died. So he didn't remember Krishna unless he was thinking of Krishna. But even if we leave circumstantially like that, if we forget Krishna, Krishna doesn't forget us. He's, Krishna's not a technicality. He's a person. Oh, you forgot me. Sorry. Back into the material pool. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's safe, safe, certain, and direct process. So, um, I kind of have a question about yeah. that, the, the mystical aspect of it, because it seems that, like, there's an astronomical way in which we can die and be liberated, and then a mental way of, like, the darkness is representative of ignorance and we shouldn't pass away during these months or in ignorance. That one of these effects is, like, if we're in ignorance or we pass away during the sun or if we're in knowledge or we pass away during the moon period, there's different... Yeah, there's different conditions in the material world which are favorable and unfavorable. So that's... Those are things we really can't control, necessarily. So it's... Therefore, Krishna says, be always fixed in devotion. Just like even if you're a good mystic yogi, okay, since the sun is the time of the sun, and it's a good time, but, um, we're not in control of all that. So, be always fixed in devotion means Krishna will bless us regardless of the conditions. Um, let's... Yeah, like at the very end, like it's all... It's always I see the Bhagavad Gita and just my own realization as it build it all builds up to the last verse Krishna says, which is just surrender unto surrender me. Surrender unto me. Granted all varieties and religion and I will I guarantee I will protect I'll you protect from all sin erection. Yeah. So it's like even if you even if you are like a, a pure devotee or even if you're uh, even if you are a mystic yogi, you know what I mean, if you're in devotion and you, you know, you get hit by a comet it's like totally random, you know what I mean? That your karma, but Krishna still protects you because you were in the service, so you naturally there's no okay. guarantee. Thank you. Now we can do the um, yeah, we're just we're not the controllers. We can, can try to control, but it's really ultimately not up to us. So it's better if we just let Krishna do the heavy lifting <laughs> and we just surrender to him. Ravanga. I was gonna say um, the way Prabhupada passed it shows um, that all of this doesn't matter because he passed away in November, which is when the sun's going on the course that you don't want it to go on. Mm. Spoiler cell. And he passed away in the evening. Mm. We know it's, it's like 7... 24. Which is when the sun... In India, there's no daylight savings time, so the sun is down at that time. Uh, yeah. 
So he, it passed away at night. And yeah. he passed away when the sun was going in, into the south, southern hemisphere. Because until December 21st, it's That's going right. at night. That's right. So, but what was going on internally in the room? You've seen the films? Kirtana. Super, Kirtan. I mean, it was just like, the devotees who were there, I, I mean, there were still devotees with us who were in that room. And they would say things like, or they still do when they tell the story, it seemed like the whole universe was there. Like all the demigods were there. <laughs> I experienced a little bit of that when the Mahapanchatattva came to... Uh, it was installed in Mayapur in 2004. Yeah. Boy, it was just an atmosphere like it wasn't just us in the room. It was like all the devas are coming to see the Yuga Dharma deities. <laughs> Boom! So, uh, yeah, it was super auspicious. But even at the time, one astrologer did say, you know, from the material point of view, yeah, it was, it was relatively inauspicious that Day, that day too but then there was this window of time when Swamiji left and it was actually a good time <laughs> but anyway but yeah the main thing is uh, chanting Hare Krishna counteracts the uh, the bad effects of Kali Yuga that's what the scripture says and and Prabhupada left out the mouth where he was always speaking about Krishna you've seen the you've seen the films his mouth is up and the Kaviraj put a swab in his nose. There was no mo movement of the hairs, so the Kaviraj went like this. <laughs> He's gone up, like a deva. But he went all the way back. <laughs> okay, so that's 41. We're making progress. <laughs> Where are we on 42? Let's see, who's red? Is it your turn? Yes, yes. Kirtan, 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 Chris Kirtan. <laughs> There's no purport in mine, sorry. Just, just read it all the way through 45, yeah. Should I read the purport too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, these aren't really purports in the sense of Prabhupada's, these are Kurijan's comments, you know. By the evil deeds of those who destroy the family tradition and thus give rise to unwanted children, all kinds of community projects and family welfare activities are devastated. O Krishna, maintainer of the people, I have heard by the Siblic succession that those who destroy family traditions dwell always in hell. Alas, how strange it is that we are preparing to commit greatly sinful acts, driven by the desire to enjoy royal happiness. We are intent on killing our own kinsmen. So, stop for a minute. You see how Arjuna is just misunderstanding everything. Because it's all based on the bodily concept of life. So he's really getting on Krishna's case here. Go ahead. Better for me if the sons of Dhritarashtra, weapons in hand, were to kill me unarmed and unresisting on a battlefield. Comments. If Arjuna does not fight, he will become bereft of his occupation and left to beg for his sustenance. Begging, however, is unthinkable for a chatriya. The following incident illustrates this element of Chaturya spirit. Okay, this is from the Mahabharata. It's really a great a story between Bhima and... Uh, well, Hanuman is there in the beginning, but it's mainly all these Yaksha warriors. After Bhima met Hanuman, he continued seeking fragrant thousand-petal uh, thousand lotuses, Trupati had asked for. Finally, he arrived at a lake filled with those lotuses and entered the water. 
This was Kuvera's lake, and Bhima did not have permission to enter. Hundreds of yakshas and rakshasas appeared and challenged Bhima, saying, What are you going to do? What are you doing here? You are forbidden to enter this lake. Go and ask Kuvera for his permission. If he allows you, you may pick as many flowers as you like. If you try to pick flowers without his permission, you will be destroyed by Kuvera's army. Bhima jumped from the water, yelling, I am a Chatriya. Chatriyas don't beg favors from anyone. The Yakshas and Rakshashas then attacked Bhima, and Bhima destroyed them all. <laughs> For a Chatriya begging, begging is unthinkable. Neither his culture nor his psychology allow it. Therefore, Arjuna says that it is better for him to be killed unarmed and unresisting on the battlefield than to incur unlimited sins by fighting or to be forced to live like a beggar. <laughs> a beggar's life. Bhima. It's a whole story. They were, this is where they're they in the forest in exile. And uh, so Draupadi, she says, Bhima, I, I want one of those uh, flowers from that heavenly lake. We're, we're, we're near a famous lake, you know. So it's like Bhima was trespassing. It's like if you try to go to some estate around Tucson, you know, and you just, like we were in that, in uh, Summer Haven, and then St. Dominic was told, this is private property. <laughs> So then we found a better place, but uh, yeah. So the Demp, so Kuvera said this is his lake or Kuvera's servants' assistance. But Bhima, he didn't care about that. Look, I'm getting a flower for my queen. Back off. And so, <laughs> he just killed them all. He's like Superman. Right? So yeah. So uh, uh, now this is uh, this is 45. This is the second last verse. So this is where you see all of. Arjun's passion and his anger and his, his self-righteousness, it's, it's starting to wane now. Because look, it's, I, it's better if I just let them kill me, because I can't beg. And I'm not going to kill them, it's sinful, but it's, they should just kill me. I'm not going to be a beggar. So, then the last verse... Can I say uh, just an observation about this? That, because in another verse, I, I believe um, Arjun has said, I would prefer to beg. And so now he's saying, I can't beg. And so it's just really showing his confusion and really running out the mm. course of his, of his reasoning. He's really coming mm. to the end of his ability to reason. Yeah, that's the next chapter, right? Oh, yeah. okay. That's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's the last... Uh, he doesn't know, yeah, he's totally confused. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to read from... Sanjaya said, Arjun, having thus spoken on the battlefield, cast aside his bow and arrows and sat down on the chariot, his mind overwhelmed with grief. Now, if Arjuna was right, would he just it would end up with this? So just like, huh. he can't fight, you know, he's totally distressed. Because he's actually a devotee, and so he's not, you know, he's contradicting Krishna, and he's, he's conflicted, as you say, you know, so he just, I'm not going to fight, but he doesn't even know if that's right, <laughs> as he expresses in the beginning of the next chapter. Now Michelle's going to read the comments for 46. Arjuna had vowed to kill anyone who even suggested he put down his bow. An incident later tested that vow. During the battle... An, inc an incident related. Is that what it is? No, say? later. It is yours later. says later? It does. Oh, during the war. That's right. Okay. Okay, mine's different. Sorry. Okay. Um, during the battle, Karna defeated and severely injured Yudhishthira. Karna then taunted Yudhisthira, saying, You are not even a Chatriya. You should learn how to fight. See how easily I've defeated you? I'm not even going to bother to kill you. 
When Arjuna heard of Yudhisthira's injury, he immediately left the battlefield and went to Yudhisthira's tent. Upon hearing that Arjun had left the battlefield, Yudhisthira concluded that Arjun, avenging his honor, had already killed Karna and had now come to inform him. But it wasn't true. Arjuna had left the battlefield only out of concern for Yudhisthira's injury. As soon as Yudhisthira saw Arjuna, he said, Have you killed Karna and avenged me? Arjuna replied, No, I did not kill Karna. I only came to see how badly you were hurt. Yudhisthira was furious. He said, You have left the battlefield without even killing Karna? You coward! How could you have done this? It is better that you give up your Gandiva bow. Upon hearing his words, Arjuna became enraged and thought, How dare Yudhisthira suggest that I give up my Gandiva bow, which is more dear to me than my life? I have vowed to kill anyone. I vowed to kill anyone. And it's dot, 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 because he, he did, when he got that bow, as, as, was it from Shiva? I forget. Who gave him the bow? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Lord Shiva. He made a vow. Anybody? No? I think it's Lord Brahma. I named my guitar after Gandhiva, and I researched it. I'm pretty sure it's Lord Brahma. <laughs> okay, we'll have That's to. Gandhiva bow. He got uh, a bow from Shiva. Anyway, he made a vow. Anybody who, who said you should give up the bow, he would kill him. So now his brother has said you should give up the bow. So now he's like really in a bind. Go ahead. Um, Arjuna drew his sword to slay his brother. Krishna, who was watching, immediately caught Arjuna's arm and said, All right, you have to kill Yudhisthira. It is your vow, but kill him by insulting him. Mm -hmm. For a chatriya, an insult is worse than death. Okay, let's see if it's... Okay, go ahead and read. Okay. As Yudhisthira sat there regretting his words to Arjuna, Arjuna angrily approached him and said... You say I'm a coward because I left the battlefield without killing Karna. But look what you have done. You looked on as your wife Drobody was insulted. I would have alone killed the entire entire Korva army, but you would not allow me. You are not a man. You are not a king. <laughs> Arjuna finished hurling his insults at Yudhisthira, but then quickly touched Yudhisthira's feet and begged forgiveness for his words. <laughs> so they both felt bad. It's, it's amazing, the culture here. Go ahead. Arjuna had not lightly made his Gandiva vow. Therefore, it is significant that Arjuna, the son, the great son of Pandu and Indra, himself cast aside his bow and sat down on the chariot, his mind overwhelmed with grief. We can only imagine how disturbed Arjuna must have been about the disaster awaiting him in the entire world. So that's the background to, you know, the, the Gandiva bow. Um, so, yeah, just forgetting all that. He just, he's wasted. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do anything. He needs counseling. <laughs> and he's going to get it. That's the Bhagavad Gita. One big counseling session. It's one big counseling session. <laughs> but it's deeper than any uh, counseling, unless there are devotee counselors. <laughs> okay, so we finished that chapter. So it's in two parts. What was the first part of the chapter about? Do you remember? Just in a broad way. It was just the first 27 verses are... Setting the scene. Setting the scene. We find out the cast of characters and then the purports. Prabhupada gives a little background from the Mahabharata, what's, lit, what's led up to this. And now, this is... There's only one other chapter in the Gita that's longer than the second chapter. Who knows what that is? 18? 18, yeah. 
This is the whole, yeah, there's only two chapters where you come up to 70 verses. 78 and 18, and there's 72 in this chapter. Because it's the whole thing in summary. So, uh, so much ground is going to be covered. And the first section, let's go look, look in the back of your book. No, no, we have to get into page numbers. But it's the first appendix. So, 367 down at Kaylee and R. What was the page? 367? It's 355 dollars. Okay. We're just going to read... Yeah, read... Um, we have different numbers. I think it's chapter 3. I mean, appendix 3 for us. Oh, oh even, even the appendix. Which yeah. Pro- so it's probably... Yoga letter or what? It's, no, Prabhupada's comments on the Bhagavad Gita chapter. Just broad... Appendix 3. Comments in the Gita itself. What was that? 373. Okay, so there's like... Uh, okay. Yeah, so there's six comments that Prophets makes about chapter 2. So, Donna Kaylee, you're going to read the first comment. Sure. This chapter instructs us in self-realization on an analytical mm-hmm. study of the material body and the spirit soul, as explained by the Supreme Authority, Lord Sri Krishna. This realization is possible when one works without attachment to food and results and is situated in the fixed conception of the real self. Shall mm-hmm. okay. uh, I No, we'll just keep going. I'll just take a turn. Um, so, yeah, this is a comment Prabhupada makes about the second chapter in the very last verse of the chapter, very last purport. Sri the Bhaktivinoda Thakur has summarized this second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita as being the contents for the whole text. So that's where the title comes from, Content Summarized. It comes from Bhaktivinoda. In the Bhagavad Gita, the subject matters are Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, and Bhakti Yoga. In the second chapter, Karma Yoga and Jnana Yoga have been clearly discussed, and a glimpse of Bhakti Yoga has also been given as the contents for the complete text. Actually, it's all Bhakti Yoga, but, when, but there's different aspects of Bhakti. Some is more focused on action, some on knowledge, um, so, because it, it all culminates in bhakti. And now Elijah's going to read C. Oh, one second. That's my page. Was it 373? Yes, 373. <clears throat> okay. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, has very elaborately dis- described the constitution of the soul in the second chapter with a view to delivering uh, his intimate friend Arjuna from the ocean of material grief and the path of realization has been recommended Bhuti Yoga or Krishna Consciousness yeah so Bhuti Yoga is another way because it's the yoga of intelligence it's another way to look at Krishna Consciousness and Anna in the second chapter of the prelude to the Bhagavad Gita many different paths were explained such as Sankhya Yoga Buddhi yoga, control of the senses by intelligence, work without fruit of desire, and the precision of the neophyte. This was all presented unsystematically. A more organized outline of the path would be necessary for action and understanding. 3.2. Yeah, so that was in Prophet's comments to chapter 3rd chapter, 2nd verse. And a couple more. Manga, B. In the second chapter, preliminary knowledge of the soul and its entanglement in the material body were explained. 
How to get out of this material game that led you to yoga or devotional service was also explained there. And finally, Kirtan's DEF. Mm -hmm. In the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, the Supreme Lord explained that the living entity is not the material body. It is the spiritual spark, and the absolute truth is the spiritual whole. Okay. Good. So, and then Borijan Prabhu, let's see, if you turn, well, it's the appendix that's headed Outline of the Bhagavad Gita, wherever that is in your editions. What page are you on? Well, 389. Uh -huh. 395. Okay. 395. And it's such a long chapter, therefore we see one, two, three, four five sections to the chapter. And the first section we're going to be looking at is texts 1 through 10. And Michelle Borijan simply heads it what? More doubts. More doubts. Arjuna gives more reasons for not fighting, but surrenders to Krishna. Yeah, that's the second. It's, he just gave that title, but yeah, that's, that's what happens. He expresses doubts, and then he surrenders. Okay. So let's see if we got ten minutes or so. All right. Any questions so far? I'm good. Okay. Um, I was wondering because in these verse two chapters we hear Krishna, I mean Arjuna, use names for Krishna like Oh Madhava, which means a husband of the goddess of fortune. And so I'm wondering, that seems to indicate that Arjuna knew that Krishna was Narayan. Yeah, we've, we've, I think Kirtan was asking about that. We've, we've talked about that. And then the last one, how was I here for the last part? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll we, send we you a recording. That. I'll send you a recording of his answer. Yeah. So there's different ways to look at it. <laughs> I think our conclusion was more along the lines of Yoga Maya, something we kind of touched in class earlier today. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes that yoga maya is really, uh, what do you say, thick, and sometimes it's thin. <laughs> so he has, he has glimpses, because he's Krishna's eternal friend, so that sort of shines through whatever whatever role he's playing by Krishna's will. Yeah, it seems like that. It seems like he already knows. He's just acting it out, but. Um, Whatever it is, uh, you see. Yeah, you see both things. He's in total illusion, but he's also. Wait a minute, Madhusudana, Madhava, Varshneya, come on. So, and I, I forget. Prabhupada perhaps has even addressed that in purports, but I forget. So maybe we'll come up to that. Okay. So whose turn is it to read? Donna Kaler. Donna Kaler's case. Are we beginning with the contents? Yeah, content summarized, number one. Sujaya said, seeing Arjuna full of compassion, his mind depressed, his eyes full of tears, Madhusudana Krishna spoke the following words. By calling Krishna Madhusudana, Sanjaya informs Dhritarashtra that Arjuna's doubts will now be killed by the killer of the Madhu demon. As Srila Prabhupada explains, the word Madhusudana is significant in this verse. 
when Krishna killed the demon Madhu, and now Arjuna wants, wanted Krishna to kill the demon of misunderstanding that had overtaken him in the discharge of his duty. Dhritarashtra was happy to hear of Arjuna's mood of renunciation. Now his sons could be victorious. Sanjaya's words, however, will dispel Dhritarashtra's happiness. So the first verse of the chapter, we're, we're back in the palace with Dhritarashtra and Sanjay. Sanjay is relating the whole thing to the king and Dhritarashtra, he's like, okay, Arjuna's not going to fight. We, we got it. It's in the bag. <laughs> We're going to win. But Sanjaya knows. He knows. that, it's, And he said that in the first verse, practically. Uh, or the second verse, because Dhritarashtra says the first verse. What did they do? Because Dhritarashtra, in the very first verse, remember the first verse we read? How does it go? Yeah, so the very first words of the Gita is Dhritarashtra fearfully saying Dharma Kshetra, Kuru Kshetra. He knows his sons are not the good guys, but he's attached to having Duryodhana be the king. So he's, he, first of all, he mentions the influence, the home court advantage, if you will, of the Pandavas, because the whole thing is being fought in a holy place. <laughs> Kurukshetra. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So Sanjaya, he's, the discourse goes back to Sanjaya. Seeing Arjuna full of compassion. And that's how it's interpreted now. It's back to compassion, not not just material fear. His mind depressed, his eyes full of tears, Madhasudana, and then it's, so Madhasudana is unpacked as being both literally and figuratively true, because once upon a time, Krishna killed a demon named Madhu. And the doubts which come to us, they're compared to demons also, so it's also symbolic, metaphorical. Yeah. So Dhritarashtra, he's, he's all happy momentarily, Oh, good. Arjuna's not going to fight. But then Sanjaya's going to give him the bad news. <laughs> yes? It's, it's interesting to me how Sanjaya doesn't mince words or he's not trying to protect Jirastra from the truth. He's even sort of agitating him or... I don't he's, know. He's, a, he's a minister to the king and he, he's a good minister. He's not, he's not sugarcoating anything. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Because Dhritarashtra said, what happened? You know, what do they do? <laughs> so he's not going to give him fake news. Mm -hmm. He's going <laughs> Yes. John is actually really like loyal to Dhritarashtra, right? He's, he's loyal. Tom talks about that. Right, in the first canon. Mm -hmm. Dhritarashtra last When he leaves. Yeah. Sanjay is like, big soliloquy, why did he all, he left me. <laughs> but he was, and he's a good guy. So it's actually for Dhritarashtra's benefit that he followed Vidura into the the wilds, and finally gave up his mentality. Okay, yes. What was a characteristic of the Madhu demon? Like? Yeah, the Madhu demon. I don't know so much. You know something about the Madhu demon? Yeah, I believe there were two, Madhu and Kaitava. Yeah, Madhu and Kaitava, that's right. I read the past time one of my Bible conferences. Yeah, it's also in a Prabhupada, I think it's in a purport. It's in an article for Dr. Godhead. Okay. Um, to, uh, no, 
I don't remember being mentioned in the corporate Baga Gita, the past time. But, um, no, in the Baga Gita it's mentioned. It's not in the Krishna book. But it's, uh, it's not in the Krishna book. Mm. But yeah, basically there were these two uh, brothers that were demons, Vanu and Kaitaba, and they got this boon from Lord Brahma that they couldn't be killed by anybody except for each other. So they started wreaking havoc all over the place. They could kill each other. That was the... They could kill each other, but nobody else could kill them. But they were so <laughs> close that they're like, when are we going to kill it? They said it was like they were like one body. They were fine with that boon. Yeah, yeah. and so, so they thought they were immortal. But uh, what happened was, I can't remember if it was Lord Brahma or one of the other demigods uh, created this beautiful woman <laughs> and sent the woman to like entice them. So they started fighting over the woman. Uh-huh. And then they kill each other. Doesn't that have something to do with the Kadasi too? No, that's Mohini. No, Krishna. No, that's another one. And how is Krishna? I read that. Yeah. It says Krishna. Okay, I'm saying we got two things going on. What? And I was just I re- I read that past time too, but I remember I read it doing something like it's like it has something to do with the Kadasi. Well, there's no the Akata, There's an akadasi in that little red akadasi book, which which counters the effect of something connected with that pastime. Yeah. That's what I read. Yeah. 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 The problem with that book is that it's all karma kanda. It's all fruit of it's how you can uh, you know get rid of your sinful reaction by doing some good karma. <laughs> I don't know what book it was. I read it online somewhere. Like I don't why we fast on a Kadasi or something like that. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that part is all right. But then the actual uh, pastime just makes you think that, yeah, let's do good karma and enjoy this world. That's a problem. <laughs> okay. So how are we doing? Oh, it's almost time. So this is good because we're just at the beginning of the chapter. So was it Mohini that got between them or some other female one? Yeah, so if you read, if you go to the eighth canto, you can read how the demigods and the demons were fighting over nectar that was produced from the churning of the milk ocean. And uh, so, actually, it was given to the, the demigods, but then the demons stole it. So the demigods didn't know how to get it back, so they prayed to Vishnu. So Vishnu is <laughs> so, Krishna is so clever, he knows... But if he comes as a beautiful woman, they'll completely forget about the nectar because they're going to be like. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's so read about it. It's really yeah. fascinating. It's, my it's so it's so funny. So Mohini comes to save the day here too, or is that in relation to the? No, that was just that pastime. It's in relation to the nectar. Yeah, it's it's just for that pastime. Yeah, it's going on eternally somewhere. I wonder if someone in Bollywood made one of those little films that. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Also, I have a comment to something to share. I just saw, I think it must have been on Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. must have been ISKCON, but my mind can't um, find the source, that a 30-foot-tall horse and chariot has been ordered from Indonesia. There was a picture of it to go to be placed on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Oh. It seems like it's taken forever, and it's amazing that that land hasn't been destroyed, polluted with fast food restaurants or something horrible. <laughs> so that's coming. <laughs> from Indonesia. 30 foot high. 30 foot high horses. Wow. Pulling the chariot. So 
that's a major statement. <laughs> I love the uh, I love sculpt Indian sculptures in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. I think they love Indian sculptures in Indonesia. Oh, okay, that makes sense. He said they're good at sculpting in Indonesia. <laughs> I also heard that they have like Ram temples there, Ram Mandir in Ayodhya. Yes. Okay, so it says Madhusudana is the killer of the Madhu demon. So it wasn't they didn't kill each other, the brothers. Well, they. I think Vishnu maybe gave him the idea to Brahma to tell him that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think it was indirect. Yeah. Who actually killed them then? Each other. They killed each other. But here it says that Krishna is Madhusudana, the killer of Madhu. Yeah, but he he arranged it. He he masterminded it. I see. It was indirectly. Yeah. Okay, got it. Thank you, Prabhus. Thank you. I like to study the Gita like this. This is great. Yeah, pastimes and verses. And All we need is the book. <laughs> so we're doing 211 and 230 now? Yeah, we're going to just go to text. No, we're going to just because the last homework was up to text 10, and we haven't even gotten there yet. So just. Yeah, just uh, go to. Or, as you like, but just make sure you're prepared to discuss 1 through 10 in chapter 2 from Prabhupada's Gita and this. And we're making progress.